You've seen their TV shows. You've watched their webcasts. Now, the boys invite you to Poker in the Ears. Hello, my babies, and welcome to Poker in the Ears. I am Uncle Daddy Joe Stapleton. He is my work wife, James Hardigan, and we are back. Hello, James. Hello, Joseph. We are back one day later than advertised, which is mostly my fault, my inability to read a simple email, but also partly Joe's fault for being an international man of mystery who flies around the world covering various poker events. Yes, I will speak on that. It's actually a really funny story how I ended up in Florida this year. We'll talk about that in just a few moments. We will have a quick recap of our summers coming up on today's show, both poker-related and un. Where did we go? (laughs) What did we watch? What poker did we play? What poker did we witness? What Twitter fights did we get in? Oh, well. man, oh, man, are we about to get in a big one. Yes, let's put it this way. Social media beefs is a long buried segment of the show <laughs> we are resurrecting it it is a zombie segment of the show because we have one with someone very high profile in the poker industry and i guess uh, we might as well talk about other things being resurrected once buried pet cemetery will be super fan versus stapes today with scotty bonds um now we we had to switch around super fans because of uh my 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 travels and i did not get a chance to rewatch this movie so i have a feeling i might get my butt kicked scotty bonds is not the big name on the show today however because there was a big poker tournament that happened in the nevada desert you guys might have heard of it anyway the guy who won that poker tournament was a guy we know pretty well but the guy who finished fourth in that tournament is a guy we know very well joining us today is our old friend but new millionaire Gary Gates on the show. Very excited to talk to Gary. I haven't spoken to him since. Really? So, uh, yeah, I just whenever whenever one of my friends does well in a poker tournament, I always just kind of like leave them be. I don't I just they're probably getting texts from all kinds of people hit up for this guest, that guest, whatever. James, I appreciate you going through the trouble of getting Gary on the show. No problem at all. It would be uh, we'd be terrible, wouldn't it, if we can't even get a Poker Stars employee to come on the yeah. Poker Stars podcast? Yeah. Um, it's been what nine, ten weeks since we last recorded a podcast. The entire summer has gone by, and I know it's a cliche, but it does feel like it's literally just flown by. You ask those questions, Joe. What did we do? What did we see? Where did we go? <sighs> I don't really feel I've had much time to do anything. One thing I will say is that normally, and I know the World Series of Poker is obviously the marquee event in the poker calendar, and yet because it happens over the summer, when normally I'm away on vacation or taking some time out, I don't pay attention to it. This year I did. And because I think we had both Hussein Ensan and Gary Gates at that final table, I was very invested in the event this year. But we'll talk more on that later. Other than that, went to Finland for a couple of weeks. Um was obviously in the office for a lot of the time. There's a lot going on, preparing for Barcelona, uh, preparing for the comeback of the podcast. But yeah, not much more to say other than that. Give me one vacation highlight. One vacation highlight. I went over to Dublin 
for a weekend. It's been a long weekend in Dublin. Visiting the homeland of the Hartigans. Um, No, it was really good. I love Dublin. Awesome city. And we had a really good time there. And there's some really good uh, exhibitions. I tell you what, I've not watched that many films. The only two films I think I watched all summer, which are by no means new, were both shit, which were Venom and The Girl in the Spider's Web. And I don't want to talk about either of those films. I also read quite a bit as well. Read an amazing book, which I strongly recommend, called The Spider... What is book? Yes, Joseph, please, please don't play the cliched, ugly American. It's not that. It's not even that. I love books and I like books a lot. I just because of screens, I haven't touched a fucking book in years. That's sad. That's sad. Now, I read a great book called The Spy and the Traitor, which is a nonfiction book by a guy called Ben McIntyre, who's a British journalist. And it's the story of uh, the Russian spy. He was the resident in London for the KGB and he was a double agent. He was spying for MI6 and it's based on a true story and it's an incredible story if for no other reason that it gives you that glimpse of what it was really like during the Cold War and what a comedy of errors it was on both sides. The vision that we have of these amazing intelligence organizations on both sides of the Iron Curtain and actually there was just mainly assumption, incompetence, and lack of money on both it's sides. Fuck, it's fuck-uppery, right? It's, yeah. like, uh, it's like Patriot. Yeah. Um, and outside of that, as far as TV shows are concerned, there was a new season of Last Chance You, which I still think is probably the best thing on Netflix and still is incredible to watch. And I've just started watching Catch-22. Talk about amazing books. Joseph Heller's novel, probably one of the finest works of the latter half of the 20th century. The movie was awful. The TV adaptation, significantly better uh, because obviously you've got more time and it's using the book as inspiration rather than being a literal adaptation of every chapter and every scene. Yeah, so I started watching Catch-22 also. Um, It took me a while. I don't know why. I don't know if you remember, but Grant Hasloff, I played some poker with him. And then, like, the next day he was leaving to go shoot this. It took them six months to do it in Italy. Now, Catch-22 has kind of fallen into this. I I do this thing now, James. I don't finish TV shows if I'm not gripped by, like, episode four or five. Same. And Catch-22, I got through, like, three or four episodes and... It just felt kind of repetitive, which I know is kind of yeah that, the point of it. But it kind of I, I that I haven't specifically quit. There's only six episodes, I, so if you've watched three oh, or four, you're okay. pretty much eighty percent of the way there. So probably worth seeing it through. I to didn't the realize conclusion. there was only six. Okay, I will definitely finish that. But there were three shows I started this summer, all of which I quit. Castle Rock, which is uh, as long as we're having a Stephen King theme show. Uh, I got four or five episodes in, and I was like, nothing has happened for two episodes. I'm done with this. Stranger Things, I got to episode four, I think, and just went, you know what's my huge problem with Stranger Things? It's as if the people on the show, the characters on the show, haven't seen the other seasons I know. of Stranger Things. And that was the biggest problem I had with season two, how incredulous so many of the plot points were because these characters have gone through this experience in the first season, which should dictate they don't do any of the things they do in the second season. Correct. So I quit, but everyone said to me, oh, you got to go back. The ending's really good. I don't know if I will. And then there's a show on Amazon called The Boys. Yeah, they're pushing that relentlessly. Which I watched the pilot and I loved it and I love the universe they created and I love the tone and I love the characters. And then right around episode four, I was like, oh, my God, nothing has happened in this show for the last two episodes. I'm out. Well, talking of Amazon shows, The Looming Tower, which I think was on Hulu in the States and it's on Amazon in the UK, is yeah. excellent. 
Are we going to disagree on this one? Sneaky Pete Season 3. This is a show that you and I were a huge fan of. I loved Season 1. I thought Season 2 was even better. I did not have a lot of time for Season 3. I almost quit halfway through. Season 3 was definitely the weakest of the three seasons. Obviously, you can see that the showrunner is different for this year and i hate to be one of those guys but it's glaringly obvious that it is a a different head writer a different showrunner um i thought it was fine but you can also um did you get a weird i mean obviously ricky jay either died or was incredibly ill while they were filming because they didn't even show him well he died before the filming of the final episode and clearly his death meant desperate rewrites which made the season finale utterly meh obviously it left many threads unresolved ultimately i didn't really care about any of them and nor did amazon because they've canceled the show yeah uh, i mean i really don't think the show needed to go on any longer even uh if it had been a good season Uh, and but i i will agree that the the finale was very sloppy, very weird. And I guess to look at it from their perspective, um, someone died. And to be like, okay, well, our show kind of is a little bit weaker than it would be because we lost someone who is probably a friend and probably – and someone who's near and dear to the genre, right? Like Ricky Jay is uh, is a part of that whole world that magician that con man world that sleight of hand world so this probably was like a really big deal to them am i right in thinking that his kind of acting debut was in david mamet's house of games i mean mamet was the guy who really made ricky jay an actor rather than just a, a magician a conjurer i think so i think that's the first movie that i remember him being and in. then house he, of he games on- by the way if you haven't seen it is awesome and there is a great poker game and a whole sequence about tells which you desperately need to see in really fact, cool in fact joe let's write this down when yeah. we do one of our classic movie mondays on a wednesday we're good, we are finally going to do the grand in a few weeks time uh yes. but before the end of the year i would love it if we could revisit david mamet's house of games totally cool with me i haven't seen it in years i think i have the criterion version around here somewhere uh last thing i wanted to talk about was the billions season four finale yeah because billion season four obviously started while we were still on air we had brian koppelman on the show and we had our kind of preview of season four i kind of was not into season four at the start i was really disappointed it it, it, and i i guess the biggest problem is that chuck versus brian and axe versus taylor is just not as interesting narratively as Chuck versus Axe. So the fact that we then get at the end of the season to a situation where that rivalry is rekindled and you realize that the fifth and probably final season is going to be the resolution of this feud between the two main protagonists makes me much happier. Yeah, I thought that the some of the slowness of season four for me was completely worth it once I saw the finale and what what these guys do, which I think is really genius, uh, meaning Levy and Koppelman, is they sort of like a like a magic trick. They sort of misdirect you for a while, even when you're suspicious about something, right? Even yeah. when, like when that scene happened between like Krakow and and um, what's his name, Ira, yeah, and, and Chuck and Chuck Senior. When that scene happens, you're like something's off about this. But then, like three four episodes go by. There's always a reveal. There's always a twist. And And this one was pretty good. Yeah, the season four 
It was kind of like a surprise party. You know how like when you're throwing a surprise party for someone, you have to be like kind of cold and distant with them for the days leading up to the party. And then when you finally reveal it, you're like, oh, this makes sense now. That's kind of how I felt about the season four finale to Billions. I thought it was a really most excellent reveal and kind of paid off a lot of the things that I wasn't so sure about. And because of that finale and because of the setup for the fifth season, I'm willing to forgive some of the transgressions, shall we say, of season four, <laughs> like the boxing episode, which I absolutely hated. Um, you talked about poker, Joe. I have not played a single hand of poker since we last spoke. We did have a poker night in the London office, but I was running it. Jimmy the Bastard was TD. I was handing out penalties, killing hands. I was running a tight ship. Is um, that true? I did kill a hand, yes. Just I did not one? issue a penalty. Just the one. But obviously we're going to talk about the World Series in just a moment. Did you yeah. did you play in Vegas at all this summer? Did you play anywhere else in the world? I think I already talked about playing, right? When I went and played the Big 50 and I just wasn't into it. Yes. Did I talk about that? Yeah. We already talked about that. I played a little bit of cash games here in LA, took an absolute beating. I ended up like having to borrow money from Josh Molina. Because <laughs> the one house. thing that was unresolved at the end of uh, our last episode, you were still contemplating playing the main event. You were yeah. contemplating selling action and buying yourself into the main event. And I thought, oh, I'm going to have a sweat for once. But nope, never happened. No, no, I decided not to do that. It was just the time commitment of being in Vegas. I decided to book a family trip home. I like went and visited uh, my niece, my parents, uh, my girlfriend's parents live in New York now. So we were able to get like a lot of family time and during the exact final table. But I did play a uh, celebrity charity poker tournament on the Paramount lot, uh, which is this yearly thing that Jamie Gold is sort of the face of. And it was very cool. Uh, you know, you get to like walk onto the lot and walk. It's an outdoor poker tournament. Uh, at my table, uh, Corey Feldman wow. was at my table. Yeah. So that was kind of interesting. It was like me, Ali Najab, Maria Ho, Corey Feldman, all at the same table. Uh, this guy named Nick, who's on a show called AP Bio. We've developed a bit of a friendship recently. So that was that was pretty fun. But... I ended up making the final table of this event. Now, James, you know that charity poker is, you know, a joke. It's not it's poker. High variance. The, okay, the high stacks, variance, we'll call the it. The stacks are shallow. The blinds are large. It's a crapshoot, for want of a better word. And yes, you do need fortune to be favoring you on the day. And so let me tell you what it's like for you guys out there. James will know what I'm talking about. When you're a personality that gets invited to one of these things, you, typically you get free roll, right? Typically they say, show up the first buy-ins on us. You start the tournament with like... 20 bigs if you're lucky. I think you start with 20 big blinds. I think No, it might have been 30. I think you start with 3,000 chips. Yeah, and the blinds are like 5,100 to start. Um, rebuys are $250. Yeah, that's not, I don't I mean, I know it's for charity, but that's not an insignificant amount of money. Exactly. And like, so I was look, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't working this summer. I don't have a ton of money. I was looking to not rebuy. It was like a major concern of mine. I do not want to rebuy this tournament. So I was kind of just playing tight. And Maria was sitting next to me and she was like, oh, I'll get your rebuy. And I was like, no, I can't. I don't want to do that. 
So I made the final table of this tournament. James, even after double ups, I never had more than 12 big blinds in this tournament. <laughs> Comfort zone. Not once. Short stack ninja. I, I would double up from three big blinds to six big blinds. I will say this. Knowing sort of push full ranges is helpful, but also like a guy would limp in behind me and I would shove the button for four big blinds and everyone like small, big and the original limper would fold. Wow. So yeah, I got away with, I got away with so much, but never had more than 12 big blinds. Mostly was doubling up from between three and six and four and eight big blinds until I got to the final table. Now, I didn't realize this, but often at these charity events, there's like pretty solid prizes for first through ninth place. This particular one only had a first place prize. Winner take all. Winner takes all. <laughs> and it was a trip to Hawaii. Nice. Now. So when are you going? Say, that's right. I'm going to need two weeks off from the podcast. <laughs> uh, Bruce Buffer was also at the final table, which was funny. Obviously, he did not remember me. I reminded him he had just done the podcast. He <laughs> at least feigned recognition. Now, you do realize that when we see him in Barcelona in a couple of weeks' time, he's not going to remember you from either the podcast or this final table. Of course, although he did sort of dangle some stand-up gigs in front of me because what happened was Jamie Gold came over with the microphone, and he's like, Stapes is the funniest guy in poker. Stapes, say something funny. Oh, great. And I'm like, oh, God. So I take the mic, and I go... Uh, look, guys, I actually don't have um, uh, I don't have anything funny to talk about. You know, we're here. It's a it's a really serious. It's a charity event, and I've got uh, I've got some something really important and serious. I need everyone to pay attention to. Uh, you can catch me this weekend at the Brea Improv, opening for Norm Macdonald, seven o'clock Friday night. Tickets at normmacdonald.com. So after I do this whole bit, Bruce says that he might have some comedy opportunities for me, but. So there's a first place prize, and then everyone at the final table gets a swag bag. Okay. And and there were two separate tournaments. There was the high roller version of the tournament and the low roller version of the tournament. We were in the high roller version, and so there are two separate swag bags. So they wheel out these carts with the swag bags on them, and Bruce keeps like – looking over you're not supposed to take the swag bag until you go broke you go broke you take the swag bag you get out of there and i can see bruce is like champing at the bit he's like sitting there he keeps looking over at the bags he's sitting there looking over he's like what is i'm he, getting is, mine is he worried they might I, change their mind and wheel them off again i don't know they weren't very well guarded so oh, I he's see. just kind of like and he's like you know what i'm getting mine now <laughs> a the, man after my own heart he just gets up from the final table gets the swag bag sensible sits there with it on his lap nice <laughs> practical now, now what i like obviously i find this hilarious but slowly but surely everyone else is like well i'm gonna go get my swag bag too then <laughs> so <laughs> in the next five minutes like seven of the nine people <laughs> are sitting there with their bags on their laps Anyway, was it worth grabbing one in advance? What was in the swag bag? There was nothing particularly valuable in it, but there was stuff that's cool if you're a movie fan. Like, um, there was like a lot of promo. You know, you, you used to get this shit all the time when yeah. you did movie reviews, I think. Um, you know, the movie Stuber just came out. Right. 
So there was like a Stuber bag that had like a whole bunch of like car equipment in it, like, okay. you know, like a jumper cables and uh, uh, like a like one of those stands for you to put your phone in, like if you want to use the GPS. And then uh, there was a deck of playing cards branded for the favorite, which was kind of cool. Had um, Olivia. What's her name? Olivia. Coleman. Olivia Coleman as like one of the queens. And that's cool. Uh, and then a whole bunch of DVDs, including a few that I liked. At, uh, what's, um, I mean, at the moment, Infinity. I'm just racking up in my brain what I could get on eBay for all this stuff. But, you know. If, Infinity if, War Blu-ray was in there. Uh, Bad Times of the El, El Royale Blu-ray. Um, so you didn't win the trip to Hawaii, but you did get the swag bag. Yes. Yeah. And if there's something, you know what, I'll, t- I'll take a look since I, I usually free roll you. Uh, 10% or something. I'll, I'll bring you something from the swag bag. <laughs> oh, oh, bless you. Uh, Hold on a second. Let me see what's in it. You can tell me what you want. Hold on. This oh might my be fun. God. Hold on. We got Bumblebee. How about Mission Impossible Fallout? Already own it. Ooh. Sorry, I'm Infinity not trying to War. sound ungrateful. Wonder Park, Instant Family, Incredibles 2. Uh, yeah, okay. Okay. We'll put that in the... With your other DVDs, uh, us. Nah. Your that... good friend Kevin Hart in the Upside. <laughs> Let's see what else is in here. Oh, oh, I've got some Rocket Man T-shirts. My Rocket God, this, this this swag bag was is is pretty big. Uh, there's a sweatshirt from the new Terminator movie, Dark Fate. Oh, you want that? I do want that. Uh, let's see, Rocket Man and. Uh, Oh, that crawl, a crawl T-shirt. Uh, it's like a Gator movie that came uh, out this summer. I hadn't even heard well, of that. We'll go with uh, we'll go with Incredibles too. Thank you very much, Joe. Appreciated. That's actually quite a cool T-shirt. That Rocket right, Man. One. You, you can have the Rocket Man T-shirt and the Incredibles too. There you go. Bless you. I I now I feel I was there. Now I feel a part of this whole experience of you with your short stack. And, and and Bruce Buffer. Just uh, don't just don't wear your Rocket Man T-shirt the same day Bruce Buffer wears his. The guy wears a tux when he's working. <laughs> um, before we talk about the World Series of Poker, I did say that we were going to bring back social media beefs for one oh, yeah. week only. So for some unknown reason, Daniel Negreanu, someone who, by the way, this is not coming, this is not new. I have criticised his Twitter polls for a long, long time. But now he's decided to move on to the genre of poker commentary. For some reason, Daniel is currently obsessed with poker commentators and has decided to have this bracket contest where he's matching color commentators against each other, play-by-play commentators against each other, and analysts against each other. And we kind of had the awkward misfortune to be the kind of first people up. (laughs) And Joe gets matched up against Norman Chad. I get matched up against David Tuckman. In both instances, it was very, very close. Um, I mean, not being funny, Joe, and I mean this as a compliment, the fact that Norman Chad only beat you by 52-48, I would take as a huge compliment. Yeah, it was fine. Like, look, I, I don't want the fact that I'm not that unhappy with the results to uh, distract from the fact that I'm very unhappy with the poll in general. Yeah. Um, it's really you know, awkward, right? It's super awkward. I don't understand... Uh, what the purpose of it is. I think that, especially given that it's not even like a good competition, like 
It doesn't make any sense. So now what? Now Norman's going to go up against somebody else. And technically, I finish in last place because I lost in the first round. Like, I, I don't know. I don't think um, he's doing a rankings chart. I think he's just trying to find a winner in each category. And I don't know. Is he trying to hire a commentary team for some show that he's planning? I mean, this would be a weird way to do it, um, especially given that. I mean, I don't really see Daniel hiring Norman Chad for anything or Gabe Kaplan accepting any job. Um, yeah, it's just, <clears throat> you know, there are stuff he said this summer during the World Series of Poker main event that some broadcasters may have found offensive uh, and or hurtful. The fact that he said Nick is his favorite and everyone else he watches on mute, um, stuff like that, you know, maybe – that had all blown over, and now he's like literally pitting, pitting people up against each other. And yes, it's a huge compliment that I came even close uh, to getting the sort of numbers that Norman Chad did. But like, I and I can take it either way, right? Like, I can handle the abuse and all the at replies that come in saying that I'm unwatchable or Norm's unwatchable, but it just seems weird to do. Most of the tweets I had said they had never heard of me, which again, I'm fine with. Yeah, you know, and so you and I can take it because we're confident in our abilities and we have our own stuff going on. But when you have, you know, folks being who's up against Broughton, like Gabe Kaplan versus yeah. Broughton or something like. And Jeff Platt up against Lon McCarran and Lon basically saying, is this really necessary? Yeah, and I, I don't I don't think it is necessary. But look, if the fans like it and they're having a, a good time with Daniel's thing, I guess it's fine. Maybe I'm too close to it, but um I wouldn't say it's exactly a beef, but if I were in a less confident position and a less, you know, secured spot in my life, then I'd probably be taking this a lot harder. I mean, I was lucky to get into it because I got missed off his original list of essential play-by-play -play people and randomly got put into the color commentary category. And I did kind of question that. And Daniel then came back and said, well, it's because you can be funny too, but yes, I had forgotten that you do play-by-play. -play. Yeah, no, I think, Daniel, you actually, in a rare moment, got Daniel to admit to making a mistake. <laughs> um, so you got put back in there. But, you know, it it was nice to be mentioned at first when he was like, here are my four or five favorite. I was like, okay, but then when you do that, then there's like only two people you've left off typically, right? Like yeah. if you're going to list five favorite play-by-play -play and four favorite color and four analysts, then there's like only two or three people left off of each list. And it's just, I don't know, it's brutal. And I, I know Daniel's whole thing is honesty or whatever, but it's not something I need to, it's not something I ever need to weigh in on or need to be have that question answered. Okay, let's move on to the happiest subject of the WSOP then. Were you in Vegas at all for the main event? I know you said you didn't want to have the kind of the slog of playing it, but were you actually there to see any of it? I don't think so. I definitely didn't go to the Rio. I was only in Vegas for, uh, one other time after the Big 50, and that was uh, for a charity event that happened at Aria. I did not go back to the Rio at all. No, I wasn't there. It was actually really hard for me to watch this year, James. I know you said you watched it for the first time in a long time. Being that I wasn't on the broadcast this year, um, you know, I had a little, I had a, quite a bit of FOMO. And then, you know, given some stuff that went on with like Nick Shulman, with his like whatever that was about acting like he got fired, and then Gary going deep, kind of like as much as I loved it, that made it like a little extra crazy for me. Uh, and then all the debate about 
who's good at commentary and who's bad at commentary. All of it was just tough. And then luckily, luckily, I was having FOMO. It was difficult for me to watch on an emotional level. I was with family during the last few days of the main event. So the fact that I wasn't tuning in, I was like, great. This is, you know, I'm, I'm doing real quality, real life stuff. So I did not watch, I, I didn't watch one minute of it, honestly. Well, looking at it objectively, suffice to say a huge event. I think it's the second biggest field they've ever had in the World Series main event after the Jamie Gold year, 2006, which means huge prize money up for grabs. It means very yeah. long days cutting through literally thousands of players. And as it progressed, you start to look down the list. Once it gets to a manageable field of maybe 100, 150 players, you start looking down the list for names you recognize and one of the names that everyone in our office pointed out first of all was Hussein Ensan and Ensan is a player who we first came across in Barcelona back in 2014 yeah. he won the first ever seniors event on the EPT he then made the final table of the main event finishing third the year that Andre Latau found that it was indeed always coming seven and then a year later Hussein Ensan won an EPT main event in Prague and we know he's a great guy. He's an unconventional player. He doesn't fit under the mold of GTO. Oh, yeah. And also, he's rocking it for the handsome older generation. So many of us were really hoping he'd make a deep run. Was thrilled to see him make the final table. And spoiler alert, thrilled to see him go on to win <laughs> and become. And I can't believe that this is the first one, the first EPT main event winner to win the World Series of Poker main event. No one else has an EPT and a World Series main event bracelet. I would have gotten that wrong. I would have thought Martin Jakobsen was an EPT winner, but... Multiple runner-up, but has never won an EPT I'm not questioning main. you. So the other thing was during the late stages that I'd noticed that Gary Gates was tweeting every day with this kind of like video game meme and, and a chip count. Yeah. And I know, I know that Gary plays poker and I know that he's played the main event before with, with considerable success. He's got an amazing run of caches, but it never occurred to me that these were his chip counts. I thought he was updating on someone else. And then I realized, oh, really? holy shit, they're down to like two tables and Gary's among the chip leaders. It was literally like day six or seven that I realized Gary's making a deep run. So the other thing to be excited about, in addition to Hussein Ensan making the final table, is that Gary Gates made the final table as well. Yeah. This was really incredible, and um, I tweeted this after the fact. You know, Hossein Ensan, obviously, big winner, all due respect, good for him. In my mind, the real winner was Gary Gates. I mean, this is a guy who plays one big tournament a year, has busted his ass in the poker world for the last 10 years, a guy that we've all known for a very long time, Gary Gave me one of my first ever on-camera jobs, believe it or not, James, way back in the day when Liv Barie boxed Melissa Castello and Gary was running Poker News. Gary hired me to be the ring announcer. Um, that's right. The and Bruce just, Buffer. Just, so I'm just making a note now. Blame Gary for blame everything Gary. since. So, uh, you know, I've, I've known him for a super long time. We had a trip. Uh, to Macau a few years ago where he and I spent a lot of time together and I, we got fairly close. I love the guy. I, th I think he is uh, just genuinely – look, everyone talks nice about people, right, after they win a bunch of money. Gary's a really fucking nice dude, and I would say that whether he had won $4 million or not. <laughs> well, let's go live to Las Vegas, Nevada, and speak to the man himself. Joining us is the fourth-place finisher in this year's World Series of Poker main event. Please welcome to Poker in the Ears, Gary Gates. 
How's it going, guys? Dude, Gary, my friend, I, I typically don't uh, private message any of my friends when they do well in tournaments because I feel like uh, – and you actually fulfilled this. I feel like it's actually more of a, a hindrance or a bother to them because then they feel the need to reply. And I saw that you replied to literally <gasps> every single person who wished you well on Twitter – that's fucking awesome, man. I am so proud and so happy for you. Thank you for taking the time to be on the show with us. Of course, guys. This is one I was really looking forward to. I think, uh, I think, if I'm not mistaken, this is my first time on the show. It is. And and uh, thinking back, Joe, and I appreciate the kind words. You know, I I made that commitment on Twitter to 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 write back to every last person who you know reached out to me, and it sounded like a a great idea at first, and I'm glad that I did it. Don't get me wrong. Uh, but I'm still in the process of doing that. The the messages and the outpouring that that I got was was just insane. And uh, you know, so that's been a work. It's been a work in progress to to try and keep up with everything. But uh, we're getting there. So here's we're getting the, there. It's been fun. So here's the thing, Gary. You've got someone that obviously Joe and I both know you personally. This is the Poker Stars podcast. You work for Poker Stars. It would make perfect sense that we would get the big exclusive and your debut interview would be on this show. But in true <laughs> PokerStars style, we're on summer hiatus until like mid-August, which means that we've got you literally last. I think you've done every single poker show, news site, podcast out there, and you are probably utterly bored by now of talking about the World Series. So I want you to dictate this interview. Tell me the stuff that you haven't had a chance to talk about, because I don't want you to have to relive any of the same questions and answers that you've been doing for the last three or four weeks. <laughs> it is bizarre. It is bizarre talking to you guys last, you know, in a perfect world, we would have we would have knocked this out early. But uh, in a no, perfect I world, I mean, I'd interviewed you uh <clears throat> Multiple days throughout the course of the tournament. <laughs> Howard Swain's took care of that. Don't worry. Uh, no, but no, life is good, man. I'm just, you know, right now I think I'm uh, I'm somewhere between cloud seven and, and eight after this whole thing. You know, we're what three three weeks removed, four weeks removed, and um, I'm in the process of of winding down. You know, the vacations. I got a chance to spend a lot of time with my family in Pennsylvania. Um, and just really, you know, the guys at work, uh, especially Scott, Mel, others, you know, have just kind of given me the space to process everything and let the dust settle. Um, you can't, you can't prepare for this, you know, it's, it's, it's weird. It's a weird experience from top to bottom for me. Uh, but in all the best, you know, kinds of weird and kinds of ways. And, and, uh, you know, I've just tried to let the dust settle and, and um, start to, to now look ahead to, you know, to what's next, sort of figure out how we're going to invest and spend this money and, and, you know, try to make smart decisions on that front and, you know, slowly transition back into some semblance of a normal day-to-day -day work environment, which has been a, a challenge to say the least. But, yeah. um, you know, it's uh, it's been fun. I've, I've tried to maintain and I, I think over the last few years, you know, I've adopted this lifestyle where I <clears throat> try to, to make the most of every opportunity and, you know, live, live the best way that I possibly can. And, and I, this experience is, I feel like has been no different. And so I've, I've just really spent a lot of time with friends and, and, and family and enjoying everything and, and, uh, you know, figuring out what's next. I'm surprised, Gary, that so many people were surprised that you made this deep run in the main event, because I know that you've played this event 
numerous times in the last 10 years, and you've got a pretty good track record. I appreciate that a fourth-place finish and a seven-figure score is significantly better than your other results, but you've made deep runs and you've cashed before. Who was surprised, James? I want names. I'm surprised that anyone that anyone goes deep in any tournament ever because it's so fucking hard no matter how good you play. You know, it, it is hard. Um, I, I guess, I don't know, I, it's, I guess I surprised myself a little bit. You know, it's, I think when you enter the main event, you, you have high hopes and, you know, there's always this dream that you could make the final table. And I think this, for me, dates back to like maybe November 9 uh, when they started doing this and, and they really made a big deal out of, you know, making the main event final table and all the hullabaloo and fuss around it. Um, but but yeah, I don't know. I guess uh, I have had some deep runs before, and and uh, you know, always knew it's a possibility. Uh, but just living it uh, is a whole different story. So you know, I, I think I'm probably uh, in that group uh, in terms of, of of people who are surprised by this run a little bit. But uh, but I'm glad we were there. I joke with I joke with Marissa now. You know that um, looking back and just having that experience and coming so close. I guess my my gut feeling is like I want to I want to do it again. You know, I want to get back there. I know it's crazy. What? I know the odds are astronomical, but but uh, yeah, I mean, it's just you you have that experience once, and and it's just you 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 crave it. Uh, and and I think you know, uh, not that I'm not making any bold predictions and say I'm going to make the final table next year. Of course not, but um, but I don't know. I just have this like weird spidey sense that I might get back there someday. So. We'll make sure that if that happens, you guys do get the exclusive. You get the first, the first interview, the next that go around. Is cr- I mean, look, if you get back there again one day, you could just, you know, buy the show. <laughs> <laughs> Mark Newhouse did it, you know. I mean, that's true. Why can't he I did do it? it? Yeah, you can you know? look, Gary. You can do it. You're a positive guy. Uh, <laughs> let's let's start um, at the end and work our way backwards. As far as what has happened since then, yes. what have been some of the coolest things that you've gotten to do? What doors has this opened up for you? Um, so right now, I just I just uh, played a tournament in Arizona. I've gotten to play, you know, uh, or I've gotten invitations and offers to play in poker. Free roll, in different free roll. They let you in for free. So just- <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. There's, some, there's some of those conversations ongoing, and so that's that's definitely different. I never, you know, I never uh, expected that really. Um, you know, honestly, I mean, I had like some cool Twitter exchanges with some folks like Rich, Rich Eisen's back and forth with me on Twitter. That was kind of fun. I've had, um, you know, friends and I've done some really cool interviews, by the way, as well. I think just yesterday, one that I did, uh, that, that I think poker stars facilitated actually, um, with USA today. And, um, I had probably 50 messages from people sharing screenshots of their Google feeds, uh, you know, which use a complex algorithm to show articles that might be appealing to each user. And I'm like at the top of a lot of these people's Google feeds this week, which is really bizarre. Uh, kind of fun. Um, I got to go back to Cedar Point, Joe. I don't know if you being an East Coaster are familiar with this place, the I'm roller coaster. I'm familiar with it. I've never been. Which roller coaster? Did you go on Apollo's Chariot? <laughs> <laughs> if there was such a roller coaster, I would absolutely sit in the front row of that one. But uh, no, uh, I brought my daughter this time, and she's six years old and still a little bit timid uh, for the big rides. So, But they have this really cool thing called adult swap there where uh, one of the adults can can wait in the line. This the sounds other like my rides. kind of theme park. 
It's really good. The other the other goes around with the kiddo riding the, the other rides, and when you finish, uh, the adult that was watching the kiddo can go up the exit lane, uh, pa- bypass all the traffic, and literally get right on the ride while the other parent you know swaps. So we did that for just a couple rides, but more or less the day was was um, centered around around Scarlet, and uh, it was a lot of fun. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's just it's just been uh, every day has been really kind of busy in different ways. You know, just trying to to balance slowly getting back into work. Being a dad, being a boyfriend, you know, uh, trying to get back to all the messages, sift through all the, you know, the the uh, opportunities and all that kind of stuff. So um, it's just been busy, more or less. I wake up and and there's something going on every hour of the day till till bedtime. So I'm I guess I'm I'm looking forward to to some of that slowing down. But it's you know it's been fun. It's been a lot of fun. It's fun so, talking to you guys. It's fun doing these these interviews and all that stuff. You just mentioned your daughter. Uh, how does it feel knowing that at this point your daughter's financial future is pretty much secure if you choose to lock up that amount of money for her? Yeah, we, you know, that was one of the best parts. Um, her mom, um, she, she works really hard. You know, they live over in Missouri and, uh, we, you know, thank God for technology and, and, and FaceTime, which allows us to, to speak almost every day, you know, and see each other every day. But, um, you know, beyond just having uh, extra money to visit more often and, and, and facilitate some of those trips. Um, I had a phone call with her mom about, uh, two weeks ago and I just kind of shared with her my vision for, you know, uh, Scarlett's future in terms of, you know, her college fund being sorted and, and those kinds of things. And she got really emotional and it was, a it was a, just a good moment, you know, just knowing that, um, that her future was, was indeed sorted. And, and, uh, it, it's, it's one of those, it's a part of this that just makes you feel really good. And, you know, there's no, I've been uh, fairly open about my own financial circumstances in, in a lot of different interviews I've done. And, and, uh, you know, I had a mountain of debt before this, uh, this world series experience. And so just, just having those kinds of things now be alleviated and, and there's just a ton less pressure uh, across the board, really. Um, you know, that's it's just it's a huge relief, and I I wake up uh, with a smile on my face most days, and just just happy about the whole thing. They say money can't buy happiness, but you know it can certainly help uh, fix a lot of problems. And uh, you know, um, but Gary, I, I guess- Gary, you've been around the poker world long enough. <laughs> You know what you're meant to do now. You're meant to start firing off in 100Ks, 250Ks. <laughs> Just you know, one. Just 100K. I even uh, I got an invitation to play on uh, on Poker After Dark. In the, in the game, the stakes were 25-50, no limit. And, um, you know, it's on one hand, it's tempting to just want to jump in there and, and, and mix it up and play games that you're not accustomed to playing and play on TV again. But I'm, you know... I've made enough mistakes to this point in my life, guys, that I'm I'm gonna try to to do the right thing with this stuff. And and uh, it's funny, like the most poker I've played. Uh, uh, Scott Goodall's in town actually this week, and uh, he's staying over at Green Valley Ranch, which is my home casino. It's five minutes away. It's the place where I you know play one two no limit or two five no limit, you know, a decent amount. And uh, so we've been over there uh, uh, the last couple of nights playing one two no limit hold'em. And, uh, Did he come that, to town just to make sure that you don't wake up one day and go, I quit? 
<laughs> I like to think he did that, but no, he had some other stuff going on with Jason Somerville and others, other meetings. But uh, no, we've uh, we had a good time. It's fun to just kind of you know just maintain the life I had before this. And of those guys are like uh, you know it's it's fun. They watched me. Uh, I've I've been told that the Green Valley Poker Room, you know, it's like a twenty-two table room. Um, they were all watching every night, you know, on the, on the delay. But the room, they said, they described it to me like, you know, it was like a Golden Knights game. Like just people, when I whenever I'd win a pot, they would go crazy. And so, um, just being there and interacting with some of those guys, and and the average age there, you know, is like. 55 60 of the people that are grinding and playing a one two so they're just they're just not great people with fun stories and they're fun to play poker with and it's uh it's just been an environment i enjoy so i have no intentions of of changing those kinds of things and jumping into high stakes events and but i you know i will play i will play some of these bigger field small buying events that i that i always have and uh see see where we go from there but in all seriousness gary you have been around the industry a long time <laughs> joe referenced the years you were with poker news and obviously you've worn many hats during your time at Stars, going back a few years, you helped us find players to compete in Shark Cage. Uh, at one point, you were looking after a lot of the super high rollers, a lot of the VIPs we had on the tour. And here's what I want to know. We're not going to mention any names, but I think we all know that some of those guys can be prima donnas. Did you have the opportunity to play against any of them during the World Series main event and put any bad beats on any of the people who made your life a living hell? Mm. Well, you said... <clears throat> <laughs> this is tricky because I want to give you names. I really do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but uh, let's just say yes. There was one. There was one moment in particular that was especially uh, pivotal and, and sweet. And uh, yeah, let's. Uh, there was one. There was one. Look across the board. Honestly, most of these guys are great. Yeah. Uh, we have great working relationships with all of them and and you kind of it comes with the territory you learn to deal with different personalities and and just make it part of your day to day but uh but yeah there were one or two times actually <clears throat> similarly to this uh after i had made the final table and there's all this media coverage um i was getting facebook requests and and social media ads from people that i haven't seen or heard of from in 15 plus years some of them from high school that i just remember being huge dicks <laughs> and one of the, honestly like one of one of the the simple pleasures of this was just hitting like the decline friend request button to a couple of these nice. guys and i've literally like mostly blindly been accepting i'm request so proud of fans. you for that that's great I don't want to be the guy that holds the grudge and, and whatever else, but it's like, come on, you know, you haven't you haven't spoken to me or or you know expressed an interest in my life in twenty plus years, so why now, you know? And I don't know. It's one of those weird things you kind of get a simple kick out of, but um, but yeah. I imagine one group of players that was particularly happy for you in the last twelve months. Well, I guess throughout twenty eighteen, your primary role within the company was looking after all the Platinum Pass winners, all these hundreds of people who are qualifying for the PSPC. Uh, you were making sure that they kind of uh, had this Facebook group before they came out to the Bahamas. You were principally in charge of looking after them while they were out there. It's no easy job, and I know you had the assistance of a team, but even so, and I imagine that for everything you did for those guys, they were absolutely thrilled to rail you virtually um, throughout the World Series. Man, if if uh, if I had the means, I would have flown all those guys to the final table and had them be a part of the rail. Like I got goosebumps listening to you describe that, James, because that's one of the most surreal components of this. I spent a whole year 
facilitating the poker dream, if you yeah. will, for for all of these Platinum Pass winners and seeing firsthand a few of them go very deep in this tournament. And, and for many, they, they won life-changing money. And, and uh, it was just surreal to be on the opposite side of that. And those guys came out in droves and just send, sent me messages and many of them just like amazing humble humbling messages that you know I, I couldn't believe half the time and and uh, just just showing me the impact that I had on on them and and the work that we did um, so that was one of the best parts of this for me is just having those guys sh- send their love and support and and you know to this day I'm still still exchanging messages with a few of them but uh but yeah that was that was definitely one of the highlights for me and I'm interested Gary how much dealing had you had with Hussein Ensan before actually coming up against him in the World Series main event? So, so him actually not much at all. I mean, I had heard I've heard about him from the EPT, of course. Yeah. Um, the guy that I you know I had probably um, worked with the most was Dario, and um, I sat next to him. I think I was on his immediate left on day seven of the main and. And, um, you know, at first it's a little intimidating, obviously you like to be sitting to his left, but, um, in my mind, he was probably the best player left in the field, you know, when we're down to two or three tables, um, or one of, uh, definitely in the top three. And, um, but, but it was kind of oddly comforting to have somebody there you already had a rapport with and, you know, we were, we were chumming it up a little bit. And, uh, I think actually he mentioned to me that he and, he and Jason, uh, swapped some of my action, um, as well. So, ah. so he was, you know, he was you know, sort of indirectly rooting for me when, when he's not in a pot with me, but, uh, so it was just it was kind of cool just to have that and it was it, it calmed the nerves a bit and and um, but honestly everybody at the <clears throat> at the final table and the final couple tables were just just good dudes across the board and um, it w- it was fun in that regard but as far as Hussein goes you know I hadn't uh, I hadn't had too much interaction with him really at all um, you know obviously the hand uh, where I doubled through him to to propel myself to a spot at the final table with the Kings versus Ace King was was my first you know poker hand against him i think i had just gotten moved to that table not not long before um you know and then of course the the crazy dynamic with he and i having the lion's share of chips um at the final table and you know the final two days of the of the final table were was really interesting and uh you know obviously he he got the better of me in that uh in that uh, showdown but but no um every everybody at the final table was just just uh pleasant you know good to be around we had we had a pretty cool moment i think um the day before the the uh, final table started where we had already gone through our production rundown and they're getting ready to announce the names of of everybody and 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 have us come out to the set and i think it was myself um dario uh, alex uh livingston and um, i think milos was there as well but we just kind of looked around and and all of all at once sort of realized the intensity of the moment we were about to to experience together and and it was just cool we 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 were present there and and we're just grateful to have that with with the group that we had and and um you know it's like a it's like a weird fraternity if you will you know it's it's in the poker world it's like it's like the mecca it's like you've made it to the super bowl and you know what that feels like and and so it was cool to to just be in that moment with those guys and and um you know realize what we were about to do and and um, I like to think we all we all kind of made the most of it that way. And you mentioned Jason Mercier, Gary. I saw the tweet from Jason the other day. Classic Mercier. Oh, I haven't cashed in over a year. And finally. And there was a kind of hum. 
from Gary Gates, who <laughs> just shipped a considerable amount of money into the bank account of who I assume was your primary backer. Yeah, Jason and I were the only two uh, that that had a piece of my action. Um, it's funny, I had a bit of a a scare. It wasn't not really a scare. I would have been happy to 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 pay this guy out, but. Um, this is a good story for this podcast in particular. So Nidus uh, Udorpin, and I hope I didn't butcher the pronounce, pronouncement of his last name, but he was a Platinum Pass winner. Uh, he won the Moneymaker Tour in, uh, in Maryland at uh, Live Casino. And on day two, uh, I was at his table all day long, and, or most of the day rather, and uh, we, he asked me if I wanted to swap. And, you know, knowing that I only had a certain percent of myself, I had rejected all the swaps, swap requests that I had received thus far. And, um, but I know, I knew Nidus was a really good player. You know, I've seen him, he had a really successful summer actually as well. And yeah, man, uh, after he crushed that $150 moneymaker <laughs> event, of course we're going to swap with him in the main. <laughs> exactly. He's, he's good in big fields, you know. He's good uh, in big fields with nobody knowing what they're doing. <laughs> uh, but, no, he plays high-stakes tournaments, and, uh, you know, he, he uh, was a good player. So I, I said, look, if, how about this? If we both make the money, we'll, we'll swap 1%. The, the swap will go live. So we, we agree. And um, we made the money on day three, I think late on day three. And, um, but I forgot all about the swap. And I think it was like midway through day seven, when I'm deep in the money now and have a big chip stack, I remember this. And uh, I, so I texted him. I said, did you, make, did you make the money? Are we live? And uh, he goes, LOL, I, I totally forgot about the swap, but I, you know, I busted before the money, so you're safe. And uh, <laughs> so we didn't end up having to pay that out. But um, but look, as far as Jason goes, yeah, I mean, he, uh, you, you know, the guy looks like he's been living in a cave for 15 years, <laughs> um, but for all the best reasons, like he's given up poker. I shouldn't say given up. Clearly, he's he's playing again. He just won himself the 50K down in Florida. But, um, you know, he hasn't played as seriously as he as we're all accustomed to and, and hasn't given as much time to the game as as uh, he he has. So. Uh, and all that just to be a full-time dad. And, um, you know, if you follow him on Instagram, you watch his stories, you watch Natasha's stories, you see that he's just given everything and and uh, doing a great job at it. So uh, I couldn't have been happier to win the money for that guy, um, you know, and, and uh, to see him f- fire right back and, and win, you know, uh, another tournament right away was pretty awesome as well. Um, so it was just, you know, for, for both of us, uh, we were, we were really happy to, to, uh, to have this, uh, fate play out the way it did. Did yeah. you try the old, uh, great job in the 50 K it's awesome that we're now swapping every event. I should have, I really should have. <laughs> I did, um, you know, I had the, uh, Arizona state championships coming up. So I kind of, uh, I just sent him one message that just said my turn. <laughs> uh, since, you know, yeah so uh we had busted on day one so i failed there but uh but no it was good one of the be- one of the most fun parts with jason too like uh, people ask me a lot you know how much coaching did he give you or uh you know how much did you guys talk about strategy and and honestly the guy just gave me the space to do my thing and and didn't really get you know too involved towards the very end like day seven day eight we had a couple phone calls calls in the morning and he might have picked up something on the stream that he shared with me but we kept it to to uh, a pretty bare minimum but before the summer started um i actually played in only three world series events and you know jason had a had a piece of all three and um we um before the first event which i think was the monster stack 
we, uh, I asked him, I said, how often do you want updates? And he sent me one, one text that just said, uh, uh, in the bag, in the money, final table, heads up or out. Those were the five, <laughs> five updates he wanted. So every day, I just at the end of the day, I'd literally say, you know, bagged 70K, bagged 120K, and then out, and then, you know, all that stuff. And uh, we cashed in the monster stack. I finished somewhere in the 300s. The next event I played was the mini main event, and we did the same thing. We cashed, I think, also in the, somewhere in the 300s. So when we got to the main, uh, if if you look back at our text history, it's literally just you know bagged 60k, bagged 120k, bagged 200k. <laughs> then towards the end, it was just awesome to be able to say you know bagged a uh, hundred and what is it, 177 million or something like that. It was just hilarious. So sick. Yeah, yeah. So that was fun. Well, Gary, we have to expose you to the full Poker in the Ears experience, which involves being the victim of one of Joe Stapleton's trademark dumb games. What have you got lined up, Stapes? All right, here we go for Gary Gates. We're going to play a game called Gary Gates Gate Gate. Now, <laughs> you know how when there's a controversy, you end up putting the suffix gate on something like Watergate or Pizzagate, right? Mm. Okay, this like is it. a simple. it's a simple game that merely asked Gary Gates to identify the gate version of a particular hypothetical controversy. Okay. For example, James, I'm going to yes. let James do the example. If there were to be a controversy surrounding our good friend and millionaire, Gary Gates, would it be, what would it be called? It would be Gary Gates gate. Correct. And if there were a controversy over that controversy, it would be called Gary Gates gate gate. Good. You get it. I'm not sure I do. Yeah, me okay, neither, here but we let's go. go for it. <laughs> Question number one. If it turns out the online poker player who goes by Jungle Man had been lying about his real name, what would that controversy be called? Dan Catesgate. Dan Catesgate is correct. One for one. <laughs> Question oh, number shit. two. This could go anywhere. I can't if wait. If there were a controversy in your office surrounding the fact that someone didn't properly reorganize photocopies in the correct order, what would that be called? I mean, I have no idea. You can phone a Hardigan on this one if you need to. <laughs> yeah, let's phone a friend. What do you got, James? Photocopier gate? No, oh, I was looking for, for collate gate. Or collate. 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 The organ. Okay, I gotcha. I gotcha. Question number three. <clears throat> if it turned out that John and Kate actually had nine children, what would that controversy be called? John and Kate make nine gate? Oh, so close. <laughs> I'm going to give you half on that one. We were looking for John and Kate plus eight gate. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. <laughs> Question number four. If it turned out that Ferdinand Magellan never sailed around the world at all, what would that controversy be called? Oh, man, I'm terrible with I've history. got this one. I've got this one. Now oh, you can go, phone go, a heart go. again. You're tagged. You're in. You're in. Circumnavigate gate. Circumnavigate gate is wow. correct. <laughs> Question number five. We'll go back to pop culture, Gary. More in your wheelhouse. <laughs> if yeah. there were a controversy surrounding the actress who played Kelly Bundy, what would that controversy be called? Oh gosh, I don't even know this. Uh, James, do you know? Do you know? Wasn't she also in Anchorman? She was an Anchorman. Christina Applegate Gate. Christina Applegate Gate is correct. 
What would a controversy about that controversy be called? Christina Applegate Gate. <laughs> what? Did I Christina Applegate Gate? Gate. Yes. There it is. <laughs> and finally, question number seven. If you were to name the front entrance to your driveway after that controversy, what would it be called? Wow, now you need to start counting on your fingers. Uh, Gary Gates, Gate, 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 Gate. <laughs> I'll give it to him. I'll give it to him. We were looking for Christina Applegates, Gate, 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 but we'll take Gary Gates, Gate, Gate, Gate. Gary Gates, you are the winner of the stupid game and of our hearts. We love you. Congratulations. Love you guys. This has been fun. Uh, let's do it again sometime. Poker in the ears. One of them loves the EPT, knows it inside out, and would do anything for the European Poker Tour. The other one is Joe Stapleton. It's Superfan versus Stapes. Here we go, our first superfan of the new season. Dem Bones, Dem Bones gonna walk around. Scott Bonds, welcome to Poker in the Ears. How we doing, fellas? Scotty Bonds, I can't believe this is your first time as a superfan because you, you are a superfan, man. For a while, I was waking up to three, four tweets a day from you. <laughs> yeah, hopefully it wasn't too much, but love your content, guys. It's always just... Everything's always been super great on your end. Well, I would worry about you a little bit, except for the fact that you're married. So I'm like, ah, he's yeah. probably kind of normal. Plus, I have met Scotty in person, James. Scotty has uh, been to at least one of my stand-up shows, but I want to say more than one. I was going to say, is Scotty one of those people who is tipping the balance between Superfan and Stape Stalker? Me? Oh, no. Oh, James, I voted for you on Daniel's Twitter thing. So. <laughs> oh, we talked about that earlier on. No more. You guys got to be sick and tired of hearing about that. <laughs> yes. Right? Uh, Scott, first, oh my God. the first thing to say is thank you for agreeing to do this at short notice. We had to move yeah. some stuff around uh, in the oh. schedule. Um, but what is your story? What is your deal, bro? All right. So I prepared something for this. So I'm a moneymaker. <laughs> I'm a moneymaker, baby. So let's get that out first. Moneymaker was, that's when I first started watching poker was back in 2003. So that was when I was in college and we, uh, we'd watch it and then try to mimic what we saw on TV and just start playing in our dorm room. So then, mimic, uh, mimic as in reenactments or mimic right. as in learn how to, you like, like dra dramatizations? No, like oh, just okay. play in general. We never, we never could do quite what Moneymaker did. That was just a crazy year. But, <laughs> well, to be fair, uh, he, he hasn't been able so, to do it again since either. Right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, I love when you and Moneymaker go back and forth tapes. It's, that's awesome. He's a good sport. I, you know, it's, a, it's, it's really unfair. It's like me playing a basketball against a five-year-old, but, you know, he, he's <laughs> right? a good sport. <laughs> so after that... Uh, I was 18, so I started play, playing on Poker Stars a little bit, like the fun money stuff. And then uh, there was a local like poker school in our area, so I went there at like 18 and just basically what you did is you gave the guy money, and if you won, he gave you the money back. So it wasn't gambling. So learned how to play poker there, and once we learned how to play, we ditched that place and started playing for cash like almost instantly, and then. 
started hosting home games, and I still play with the, some of the same people that I've been playing with my whole life. And, uh, yeah, married to my wonderful wife, Julie, have two kids, and I work. So on the application, it said I had to work in IT. <laughs> so I work with IT. I'm in finance in a, a financial services firm in Des Moines. So there's a lot of downtime, if you get me. So I'm just a poker consumer, okay. comedy consumer. It's how I like day to day get through my life even though you're in finance you're working with information technology and you're oh, using yeah. that technology to access poker streams right. poker content right. and daily perfect perfect oh, i yeah. like the sound of this poker school this sounds like the kind of thing i'm going to be doing when i'm like a washed up can't work anymore charging oh, people yeah. what do you mean when Ah, I'm shaking my fist. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, I tell you who is shaking their fist, and that's Patrick, our trusty intern, who, by the way, is only with us for another month. So he's packing in movies left, right, and center and churning out Aww. quizzes. He was not a big fan of the original 1989 version of Pet Cemetery, Scott. Uh, he doesn't believe it's dated particularly well. Why on earth did okay. you pick this film? Um, so this... I saw this film when I was like 10 years old. So maybe if he's a little younger, maybe it doesn't hold up still. But this movie took something from me. I just want to be clear about something. He's not younger than 10. We're not forcing an eight-year-old to watch (laughs) Pet Cemetery. I mean, it'd be be kind of funny experiment, but it'd probably scar him for life. Yeah, we don't do that kind of stuff around here. No, no, Um, no. But this movie, like, when I was a kid and saw it, I sh- probably shouldn't have seen it. But this movie just, it took something from me. It took my, ch- like, it just, but it also made me love scary movies. So that's why I picked this one. I've seen it way too many times. And, uh, yeah, that's that's where I'm from. Uh, look, I, uh, I, there's a lot that's forgettable and kind of crappy about this movie. But, James, you've seen it or no? I don't think I have, to be honest. Horror is there, not I mean, a genre I'm a huge fan of, and generally Stephen King adaptations I tend to steer clear of. Yeah. Well, oh, that's right. You're not a horror person, but Fred Gwynn, uh, who oh played played Herman Monster, is uh, in this movie, and he is fucking so good in this movie and so creepy, and the his performance like has stayed with me like 30 years later. It's, it's worth it for that alone. Um, it's, he's got that, he's got that like, uh, it's like been mocked so many times since then. He's like the old guy who's like, you don't want to go up there. That's where the pets are buried. Okay. Uh, And it's, it's it's fantastic. I hope your memory of this movie is pretty good, Joe, because you know what Patrick's questions can be like, Uh, Scott, did you do your revision before coming on the podcast? Yeah, I watched it. I actually watched it last week. Okay. But I was going to watch it again, but when you moved it up, I was like, eh, we'll just go with it. I think you'll be absolutely fine. I imagine you will crush, and you are in a very good position to win two prizes, being an American superfan. Sadly, EPT satellite tickets are not an option, but you do get, and we've got some brand new swag that I've had brought in over the summer months. We've got a PokerStars ice tray, which you are guaranteed to get whatever happens. That's our thank you for coming on the show. <laughs> In case you run oh, cold. Yeah. But yeah, if, I, if we you, need ice trays too at our house. Well, well there you go. You're welcome. <laughs> If you do manage to win this game, if you do manage to crush tapes in this quiz, we will also give you this really cool kind of camo-style 
PokerStars t-shirt as well. So plenty of swag could be heading its way over the Atlantic. Should you succeed in this quiz, the usual 10 questions, the usual multiple choice options, the usual scoring and rules apply. Scott, you're our guest, you're our super fan. You get to go first. Please give me a number between 1 and 10. All right, let's do 7. Always coming 7. What does Lewis use to kill Church? To kill Church, he uses a syringe. Would you like to take the multiple choice options? Oh. I'm oh. not, I'm not okay. going to say you were wrong, but I do need you to be more specific. And to be more specific, you might need the options. All right. Let's do the options. Does he use a scalpel? He runs over him again. Does he use an axe? Or does he kill him using morphine? Let's do morphine, then. The syringe had morphine in it, and you get one point. You are on the board. Joe, your first question, please. Syringe. Uh, question number eight. What does Ellie carry to remind her of Gage? Uh, I'll take the choices. Or I think I know. Is it a picture of them together? Is it Gage's teddy? Gage's blanket or Gage's hat? Mm, my instinct was to say, I'm going to go with what I thought without the choices. Gage's teddy. Incorrect. It was a picture of them together. Scott, second question. Seven and eight have gone. Scott, I can smell those ice cubes from here. Oh, yeah. All right. Let's do a uh, five. Question number five. What's the name of the dog that Judd says went mad in a nearby town? Uh, Spot. Would you like the multiple choice options? <laughs> Jeez, I'm 0 for 2. All right, options. Let's go. Was it Bobo, Cujo, Lulu, or Jojo? Wow. What was the first one? Bobo. No. Let's go uh, Lulu. It was Cujo. And you're out of mulligans. Next time you snap answer and you're wrong, you're oh wrong. Oh, my God. I would have got that one. Cujo. You know, James, Cujo is another Stephen King book. Oh, I didn't know that, but thank you. Hashtag fun facts. Joe, movie. you can have any number other than five, seven, or eight. Oh, I really want five, though. Give me number one, please. Okay. Not strictly speaking about the film. What year was the novel Pet Cemetery published? Oh, Jesus. Go ahead. Uh, 1983, 1985, 1987, or 1988? 1983. Correct, for a point, and we have a tied game. Okay, Scott, what number would you like next? Uh, let's do two. Which U.S. state is Ludlow located in? All right, I know this one. Okay. So if I get this one wrong, I've not seen this movie before. It's Maine, right? It is in Maine for two points. They're all in Maine, goddammit. They're all, every single Stephen King thing is in Maine, and they're all so creepy. The Shining, not set in Maine. Joe, oh, you're right. Uh, question, question, the lowest one available is question two, I think. Question number three is the lowest number available. The cemetery is on the burial grounds of which Native American tribe? Oh, man, if I could get this without. Maine is very close to Foxwoods. Maybe it's the Mashantucket Pequot tribe, but I'm going to take the choices. I apologize in advance for my pronunciations of these names, by the way. Mohegan, 
Micmac, Comanche, or Picayune? It wouldn't be the Comanches. I don't think it's the Picayunes. I'm, what, what was the first one? Mohegan. I'm going to go with Mohegan. It was Micmac. Uh, narrowed it down to the right two. Lost a flip. What else is new? Scott, your penultimate question. Four, six, nine, or ten? Oh, nine. Number nine. Joe's lucky number. Stephen King makes a cameo in this movie. Which role does he play? Plays a minister at a funeral. He does indeed for two points. That might just tip you over the edge. That might give you the win, but we still have three questions to go. Joe, four, six, or ten? Which one do you think Patrick thinks I would pick? Uh, I have no idea. I never take six. I'm going with six. You're going to go with number six. Who keeps the path to the cemetery clear? Uh, I'll take the choices. Local teenagers... Judd Crandall, Native Americans, or the dead? Hmm. I don't think Judd Crandall wants people going to the cemetery. Well, I'm going to say Judd Crandall. It was the local teenagers. Local teenagers? Why are they so helpful? That's weird. I don't know. Scott, four or ten? Final question. All right, let's go ten. Number ten. Who's the first person that Gage kills when he comes back? First person he kills is... He kills Judd Crandall. He does for two points. And Joe, the last question is question number four. Where did the Creed family live before moving to Ludlow? New York City. Incorrect. It was, in fact, Chicago. No need to steal, Scott, because it's a decisive win. You score seven points. Joe puts up a single point on the board, meaning you have, as we predicted, crushed this game of Superfan versus Stapes. You do get the Pokestars ice tray. It's really cool, by the way. Literally and metaphorically. And you're also going to get a snazzy Pokestars t-shirt. Thanks, guys. Scotty Bonds, it was a pleasure, man. Thanks for all your support. We appreciate you. I'm glad we could throw a little uh, swag your way. Always, man. Hey, keep up the good work, guys. Looking forward to Barcelona. And, yeah, always fun listening to you guys. All right, my babies, we're almost out of time for this week's show. I think we're back weekly, more or less, for the foreseeable future. Well, actually, we do have a show next week. James Hardigan, well, actually. Go on. Our show next week is going to be our Barcelona preview show, which implies that after that is EPT Barcelona, which it is. Because EPT Barcelona is kind of long, we're doing a six-day stream, which concludes on a Sunday, fly back Monday, have a couple of days off. It means that there's actually going to be a two-week break between okay. that episode and the next one. So basically, having been off for like three months, we're coming back for two weeks, then we're off for two weeks, but then after that, it's pretty much weekly until the end of the year, until Prague and until Christmas. Excellent. Very good. So you guys... Lots coming up. We've got some exciting shows planned for you guys. We would love to hear your guest suggestions. Obviously, James and I have been off for a couple of months, not exactly following every single thing that's going on in the poker world. So give us your suggestions. Let us know who you'd like to see on the show. 
like we said, Barcelona preview show next week. Until then, let's get let's get some traction going, guys. Let's get some more momentum. Get this show back on your playlist. Get us back up in the iTunes charts. Get us trending. Get those algorithms going. Subscribe, like, comment. Please help us out. Let's get some momentum for the show to close out this year very strong. But that is all of the time we have got for this week's show. Until next time, for James Hardigan, I am Joe Stapleton. Smell you later.